1: Hello listeners of The Insecurity Project. My name is Braden Judd and I've got the pleasure today of introducing this podcast. So today we have Jen Dugard. Jen is on a mission to change the way women are looked after across the fitness industry once they become a mother. She is educating fitness professionals through her safe return to exercise accreditation and linking them with mums via her business Body Beyond Baby, which after being founded in 2008 as Group Exercise Childcare and looked after thousands of mums involved in 2019 to become the go-to place online for women to find mum-focused fitness services that are all accredited, experienced and partnered with women's health physios so they know they're in safe hands. Jen authored the book, How to Love Your Body As Much As Your Baby, in 2013, and in 2016 created Safe Return to Exercise Accreditation for Fitness Professionals, which has now been delivered across Australia, New Zealand and in Taiwan. In 2019, Jen presented at Philex in Australia, X-Pro in Singapore, and later this year is heading to FightX in New Zealand. She writes regularly for What's New in Fitness and Women's Health Australia and through mentoring fitness professionals, she is truly making a difference across the fitness industry for both women and trainers alike. Put simply, Jen Dugard is leading the way in training mums and provides profound insights that are changing the ways that hundreds of women are viewing their life as a mother.
0: Hey folks, you're on the Insecurity Project with Jamin. Today, I have the great privilege of having a conversation with Jen Duggar. Jen, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Jamin, how are you?
0: I'm fantastic. Yeah, look, uh, always such a treat to get to talk to interesting people doing amazing things. So thanks for being willing to share your journey and uh, talk about the stuff that you found useful over your life and experience. So yeah, yeah thank, thank you. For,
2: thank you for inviting me and I absolutely love what you're up to. So excited to be here
0: cool well uh a big part of the work that i do in helping people overcome insecurity involves them going backwards and i you know Mm -hmm. i think there's still a general aversion to the whole therapy model you know like lie on the couch and tell me about your dad kind of thing (laughs) and lots lots of people just kind of want to can we just be positive can we just like fix it from here from the end point and not go back but you know uh, invariably our past does shape us and it affects where we are today. So, to go back and explore the defining moments and specifically the impact of those defining moments is always Absolutely. fascinating. So, as with all my guests, I'm fascinated by your backstory and, and where you started, and specifically uh, the impact your parents had on shaping your sense of self. Did they do a good job? Were they present? Were they distant? Uh, what was their impact? and in their role as parents and, uh, yeah, in shaping your self-esteem. Can you tell us a bit about that?
2: Interesting, isn't it, when you think about that, because I think every parent is doing the best job that they possibly can. And now myself being a parent, you kind of go, mm-hmm. oh, you know, whatever whatever you're doing, you're doing it to the best possible, like, you know, the best of your ability. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of kind of good stuff that my parents um, instilled in me. So my mom um, always had like the um, the quotes around the house, like telling us to believe in ourselves and we could do, you know, whatever it is we wanted to do in the world. Um, And I was a kid that grew up in my dad's car listening to all of the audio books from all the old school business guys like Jim Rowan and um, Robert Kiyosaki and people like that. So a lot of... Yeah, like I was exposed to a lot of um, positivity um, on the outset and I think it was more like my insecurity more came from my school experience and things like that. So I think my parents did a pretty good job of saying, yes, go out into the world and do everything that you can and believe yourself. But there were definitely times for me where that just didn't feel like the case at all.
0: And, I mean, wouldn't it be amazing, I'm a parent too, wouldn't it be amazing if all you had to do was just tell your kids they're awesome and they can do anything and problem solved? Like
2: Absolutely, <laughs> that, yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> obviously
0: we're sense-making creatures and we're trying to do the best we can as kids and work out what it all means and if it's true and can we trust it and are we good enough and a whole bunch of stuff. So, okay, so your parents gave you a really great foundation and exposure to some cool stuff. Um, But then tell tell us a bit about what was painful at school that kind of shaped your views on yourself and maybe started you being aware that there was some insecurity.
2: Yeah, so I pretty much got bullied everywhere I went. So from bringing in time school... There was a girl or a couple of girls in primary school that, you know, that was seven years of of my first experience of, you know, being in school life and I moved on to high school and I went to a different school than the the main girl that was the problem to try and move away from it. But, you know, lo and behold, you find somebody else in high school. Uh, And I grew up in the UK. So for the last two years of school, we went to what we call college. Uh, And I managed to find people in college as well. So I guess I spent my whole whole childhood or whole school life, feeling like I didn't fit in, uh, getting bullied in one shape or form, and starting to feel like uh, I just, I guess I wasn't either, either wasn't good enough or uh, I wasn't pretty enough, popular enough. Uh, So that was like my, you know, four years to being, I'd say, 18 experience. And that's not Mm -hmm. say I didn't have some great friends, but that was my foundation of life.
0: Wow. So, how did that impact you then going out into the world post school?
2: I uh, I packed my bags and moved to Australia from the UK. Um, <laughs> and when I when I think about it now, it's, it's was I running away? Maybe um, I was known as Jenny when I was in in the UK and moved to Australia and promptly um, introduced myself as Jen wherever I go. And hmm. so I think there's part of me when I reflect on it that knew that there was. I knew that there was a big part of me that could get myself out into the world, but knew that where I was living and what I'd been living um, wasn't the right place to do it. So obviously I had some faith in myself to pack up at 18. My mum and dad bought me a plane ticket to move to Australia and I left on my own. Um, but maybe I was leaving a lot of that behind and trying to reinvent who I was in the world by moving to Australia.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, amazing. So, tell us what happened next, and uh, were that were you aware that the the beliefs you developed about yourself that you didn't fit in, were you aware that they limited you when you moved to Australia, or was that start of the process of kind of overcoming that? Tell us a bit yeah. about that.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting. So, I think the insecurity and I'm 38 now, so I've been here for 20 years, and I can honestly say that I only feel like it's been in the last three to five years that I truly believe in myself. Um, yeah,
0: right.
2: I think that, like, from 18 to 16, I started to, I experienced some depression, um, and that kind of followed me throughout my whole... Sorry, I think, did you just say, eight? Did you say from 18 to 16? Yeah, from about 16 to 18, I, like, look back now oh, and kind okay. of go, those last two years of school... Um, yeah, but right. then that, that continued with me up until, you know, it's something that I'll probably experience my whole life in bits, but I I suffered postnatal depression after having my daughter when I was 29. Yeah. Um, and there's that, you know, I always used to seek approval from other people. I wanted to be seen. So although I managed to put myself out into the world, I think I was doing a lot of things that um, that probably masked my insecurities by trying to be good at something or reach goals or get awards or that kind of thing, so yeah, um, I think moving to Australia was the start, it probably went downhill before it got better, um yeah, you sure yeah, and i yeah and
0: well, you know I mean that is the the universal challenge, i think uh you know we start as as Infants toddlers with an internal sense of self, and then we outsource that very early on in childhood almost invariably and the The journey of taking that back internal you know most people will never find a way to do that and will keep as you said, looking for external sources of validation and approval and to yep. be seen to be noticed as a way of filling their cup um, but you know the process of becoming an adult is is exactly what you're describing. how do you then? do that internally and be self-sufficient rather than having to contract it out to your world. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, I'm very interested in, in how you did that. So, you know, the last three to five years, what's the stuff that's actually made the difference for you in being able to be an adult in your own world?
2: Yeah. So I think it was like right what you said at the beginning about not wanting to go back and look at all of the different things in your life. I did that with this various psychologists for... A number of years um, and went back to my childhood, like my parents separated when I was younger and I know that part of my seeking approval was potentially not getting um, validation from particularly my, my dad um, and then seeking that as I got older, I moved from, from like a, from working with psychologists to working with people in like a kinesiology space. Um, and also doing a lot of self, like whether it's spiritual work or self-development workshops. Um, My marriage actually after suffering postnatal depression, after my daughter was born, um, my husband and I separated and we were apart for three years. We're actually back together now and got back together nearly two years ago. But that Mm. three-year period of us being apart was me taking this deep dive into I can't keep... Seeking, appro- seeking approval, seeking love, seeking something from somebody else. So in that time, I spent a lot of time on my own. Um, I did jump into another relationship quite soon after we separated, but then there was a year, over a year gap between when that relationship ended, which I now know was probably another you know, looking for something else to fill yeah. my cup and to, yeah, to sure. kind of go, okay, well, this marriage isn't working. What am I going to do now? Um, and then there's conscious time after that ended before my husband and I got back together where I spent over a year on my own, probably doing what I should have done when I was 25 before I got married, um, doing a lot of yoga, spending, you know, days on my own, a lot of journaling and just sitting with the discomfort rather than trying to fill discomfort with, External things and people.
0: That, like as you're saying that uh, that affected me. Um, I, I acknowledge the courage of that process you just described because uh, it is a journey into pain and yeah. into fear. What you've described and so costly and so messy and. Uh, you know, people on the outside are looking, what's happening? Like, it looks like the world's falling apart, but you're, you're yeah. going internal and probably doing the hardest work of your entire life, but the most beautiful and important work, and to to see... Uh, yeah, I, I acknowledge you. I, I think it's Thank just a you. beautiful... Well, and, it, and I acknowledge you for that, just for you, but you come out the other side a very different person, and you have something to give then, like... Um, um. You know, I got to do a, a TEDx talk recently and the theme was purpose. And my mm-hmm. observation is what looks like people feeling purpose is still insecurity. Mm-hmm. Like it's still look at what amazing things I can do for others and in the world. But it's actually not about the contribution. It's an attempt to validate their own existence. Yeah. And so I'm not sure they're actually doing that much good, really. And I'm not <laughs> sure they're, they're really inspiring many people at all um you you know i think really to connect with purpose you've got to solve the insecurity problem first because you know your purpose can't be to prove you matter by what you can do or who's looking at you you've got to go work out that you matter first then then you come to the game with your cup full yeah now now you've got something to give now you can connect with purpose that's bigger than you're not even about you And, and that's when you get to do good work and so i acknowledge you like um the The world clearly is benefiting from the that deep dives and your willingness to go into pain uh so thank you from the world thank,
2: thank you that was amazing I appreciate that uh
0: any anything else you know because people who listen to this are Um, you know, are often in in pain in some area and often people are, well, instinctively we run away from pain. That's what every cell in our body helps us do to avoid pain. Um, You know, but one of the practices I see people who actually solve this problem is that they start to link pain to the cost of insecurity rather than linking pain to dealing with it. And so then their pain serves them to drive them into the process rather than away from it yeah um I think but it's, yeah
2: yeah sorry, sorry, <laughs> I think you go. Um, I think what you said then about uh you know moving away from pain, and I think one of the biggest things that we can do is is no matter where you are, is start to have some really honest conversations with ourselves, and yeah. to start to yeah, like. Know that it's okay not to be okay for a while um, and know that even if you are not okay and even if you're not okay for a really long time, that 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 period is going to come to an end and that you will come out the other side. Um, And also to have those conversations with people around you because what I see a lot is people go through something really tough Um, they're feeling insecure maybe their marriage is breaking down maybe maybe you know they've got other things going on in their life and they they just shut themselves off and they don't talk to anybody and it's the ability to start a conversation with somebody else even if it's on a really it could be your next door neighbor over a fence it could be the guy at the coffee shop it could be it could be someone that you really trust so wherever that space feels comfortable but to start to have the conversations that you need to have about what's going on with you, um, and then in turn, when we've moved through what what's been happening for us, is can you go out into the world and start those conversations with other people around you that that need someone to help them to start a conversation?
0: Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a really cool. That's a really cool distinction. One of the one of the things that I think is important to acknowledge there is. Um, You know, what you said, starting a conversation. So, you know, getting through the myth of the need for perfect conversations or complete conversations, just to go, all right, there are no perfect or complete conversations, just conversations. And you get to have more conversations, but you have to start somewhere. So, yeah, you might have a really painful and frustrating conversation with someone who's actually not that helpful to start the process, but the fact that you've begun somewhere, the fact that you've started to, Think and probe and explore and ask these questions is actually part of the journey and will lead to the next conversation and the next one. Um, but starting yeah. somewhere.
2: And to know it's all normal, you know, and you're probably going to feel, yeah. you know, that insecurity going into that conversation because you can't control the outcome. You can't control what somebody else is going to say. Um, but yeah. to know that, you know, if you can find a place where if you're moving through your own insecurity, you're hopefully starting to to remove judgment from yourself because, you know, that's potentially what insecurity is. It's we place judgment on top of what we think is wrong with us. Um, and if mm. we can find, find a space where we can remove the judgment from ourselves or or even remove it from other people first, then we can turn that in on ourselves and become more empathetic and more allowing of of the things that we think that are not right, that are creating the insecurity and start to accept ourselves how we are in every state all the time and that's pretty big but
0: (laughs) well it it is but it's you're right you can't do judgment and awareness at the same time like where there's the fear of judgment either your own self-judgment or someone else's judgment it's it's not safe to be honest so I, I agree finding a way out of judgment is is the solution is the way to get clear and clean and the moment you can get clear and clean around this it kind of dials down the pain of it anyway because Uh, these fears become monsters in our head because they go unaddressed and unexamined. They're not actually real. They just become real because we don't see them properly.
2: And because we don't talk about them, right? And because we don't talk about them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. So cool. Um, What else? Is there anything else that you think is particularly important and useful in reflecting on your own journey, the stuff that made a difference for you, in, in effectively go, coming out the other side, you know, obviously not perfect, um, but no. <laughs> but whole, but, but good, but safe, but okay with yourself and, um, you know, not not needy and desperate for that external, but having the ability to fill your own cup. Anything else would be useful for people to understand?
2: Yeah. The way I think... you see things. I think that starting to create the list of people around you that you trust Um, and, and, you know, that insecurity can be, it can come from yourself and it can come externally. But if we we learn to understand whose opinion of us we actually care about, um, if we want to move out of insecurity, it can be really important. So, you know, for example, if you're... If you're doing something, if you're in business and you're putting something out into the world and you get pushback about what you're doing, it can be very easy to take that all on and fuel any insecurity that might be there, whether we're trying to move through it or not. But if you have some trusted, a small number of trusted people around you that you can either check in with and go, hey, is is this the truth? Is this what it actually looks like? Um, And then narrow in on on the opinions of people that you even take on board and then start to even choose how you take other people's opinions of you on board, whether they're, they're trusted people or not. Um, so, yeah, really tuning into what you, what outside noise you listen to, um, which can be positive or negative to where, where you're at in your own headspace.
0: Hmm. Um, that's a really interesting distinction. Um I'm not sure if you've seen the model that I've developed for this insecurity work but um practice 5 says get help from someone who doesn't care about you. Oh, don't no, no,
2: I haven't.
0: Um the distinction being that uh the people who love you and care about you uh bring that bring a level of wanting to the table. So while that's nice and and useful and unavoidable, that um, on some level it becomes dangerous. So, Hmm. um, you know, someone, if you can please someone, then you can also disappoint them. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, so obviously it's it's necessary and unavoidable and we want people who care about us and know us and we can trust. That's a massive part of the the piece and the puzzle of, of doing relationships well. And very valuable. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm exploring the idea that the real important thing is on top of those trusted advisors and people that you can have is to have someone who's completely objective who actually doesn't bring any wanting to the table and who doesn't give advice or actually give you their opinion but helps hold a space for you where you can fully explore your own opinion without judgment and that to me feels like you know, the real essence of the the adult work you're doing is to how do you reference your own judgment and opinion based on what do you think about your work? What do you think about your value and your offering? Because ultimately, until you can self-reference, you you, you are vulnerable in yep. the world. If you, if you do need a team of supporters, if someone withholds their support or doesn't give it for whatever reason, maybe they're having a bad day, maybe they're going through their own stuff, they don't understand what you're doing, then going to be personally hurtful and maybe, you know, hinder your progress
2: Do you think though that people have to be mutually exclusive? As in I I, I can think of a number of friends where I know that they care about me but I also know that we all have very strong boundaries and if I ask something of them that they can't deliver it's okay for them to say no but I also know that they will hold space for me and um, show up in a way that is not not based on our agenda? yeah.
0: It's yeah. amazing, my beautiful friend. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, they have to be. That has to be possible because we we run mixed frames with all of our relationships. So, I think it's the ability of people to put on a different hat, is yeah. to go, yeah, sure, we're friends or we're colleagues or associates or we're family or whatever. But let me step out of all those frames and step into a judgment-free space, which is where you're the expert and I serve you by uh, allowing holding you to space. explore your own stuff, yeah, holding space yep. in the safe. Yeah, I think that's, that is a really important distinction.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where we, we
0: kind of <laughs> all need
2: to get to somehow. <laughs> Some yeah,
0: bit. well, it is, it is useful because, I mean, you know, it's so hard to avoid giving advice, but I, of all the, of all the dirty words in the English language, that rates very highly in my mind as as the the, the top of the dirty list Um, just because when someone gives me advice, especially if I haven't asked for it, like the internal response is always, don't tell me what to do. Like you're not my (laughs) mum. Can you not? Like really? What do you need to do is I think you should say, ah, for good. Like really? So I think I would, I hate it when people do it to me. So I would hate to be doing it for someone else and have them internally, like on the outside, they're flying Oh, Thanks for that you know, inside they're sticking their finger up me and, you know, want me to go away. So, yeah, very hard to do. But, yeah, I think the... Well, um, Michael Bungay-Stenya says it well. He says, look, if we could just remain curious for just a little bit longer before rushing to advice and action, gee, yeah. it would make a massive difference in the quality of our conversation.
2: Yeah. And, and so also, I think you. that is... Sorry, Sorry, carry on. No, you carry on. I'll listen. I'll shut
0: up. Well, <laughs> well yeah, just, <laughs> two seconds longer. just hard to do. But, you, yeah, you're right, not to, not to have to uh, only be a judgment-free person because we all have friends and family, but to, yeah, to be able to develop the skill of holding space for each other and just being curious, just helping people sort out their own stuff without rushing to tell them what we think they should do. It really would improve the quality of our communication and help people greatly.
2: I, yeah, I think as well, changing that language, and I do it a lot. I have great ideas for people, and I try, like you're saying, to just be quiet for that extra bit longer. Um, yeah. But also catching myself, if ever I say I should, I'm very quick to say, you could, or have yeah. you thought about. Um, yes. And then, you know, asking, tell me more, tell me more, because what I've found in, in the work that I do with a lot of people and it's, it's around the mentoring kind of business space. It's like people know their own answers. They yeah, just they do. need you to ask them. They need a place to speak and they they need validation that what they're speaking is okay, um, but then they need space to kind of go, oh, you know what, I know my own answer because you've given me the space to, to work it out.
0: Yeah, exactly. And when a person owns their own answer, then it's theirs and they get to keep it and then they're internally motivated and it obviously is very empowering and lasting, whereas if they source their ideas and motivation externally, they've got to keep going back to the source and they, that doesn't last.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, cool distinction. So um, books, are you a books. big reader? Do you, do you enjoy reading books in this space and have you found any books particularly useful around your journey for solving insecurity.
2: Yeah, I am I'm a big Brene Brown fan. She um, Who isn't? Yeah. I know, right? She was in Sydney <laughs> a while ago and I went to see her for the second time, which was awesome. Um, yeah, great. So I would, if anyone's not read any Brene Brown, I would literally, I wouldn't start right at the beginning. I'd start with Daring Greatly. Yeah. Um, read that one first because it was a game changer. Um, and then work your way through. And if you're in the leadership space, I would go into Dare to Lead because leading from that, the place of vulnerability and bringing everyone to the table rather than being a dictator and, and telling everyone what they should do <laughs> um, yeah. is a really, really great way to to help other people and to lead. So she's a big one. I'm just looking at my bookshelf as we speak. Um, and the other one is a guy called, have you heard of Michael Singer? He has a book
0: Michael. called The Untethered Singer. I don't
2: think so. He has a book called The Untethered Soul. Okay. And okay. I remember when I was going through that, you know, two to three year period of absolute kind of internal work, you know, heavy. Kind of within a real heavy space. Um, that book put me, like, made me realize that I'm, well, one, I'm not, I'm not everything I think I am. Um, and put a lot of mm. uh, perspective onto, into the space that I'm in. So if if anyone's going through a hard time, I think, yeah, The Untethered Soul is a really great book to explore. Mm.
0: Excellent. Anything else?
2: i going to look at my bookshelf. Um, I love, um, I don't know if it's really the same space, but I like all of David Data's work. If you're t- thinking about relationships and insecurity and, and masculine-feminine and all that kind of kind of space, um, and also in the business space, um, Emma Isaacs wrote a book called "Winging It" not long ago. And I okay. think that that if you are in the business space and you're feeling a little bit insecure, like the sooner that you realise that everybody else is winging it as well, and we're, you know, we're kind of all in it together, and we're all piecing life together as we go, and it's okay to be winging it, then um, yeah, that that could be quite a helpful book in the business space. So that was Emma Isaacs and "Winging It."
0: All right, great. I'll, I'll make sure there's links to this in the show notes for people listening if you want those book references. Sure. Um, yeah, cool. And um, so tell us a bit about what you do now.
2: So now I um I my background was in personal training. So I started as a personal trainer and moved very quickly into working with mums, so specializing in working in pre and postnatal and with mums as they continued on their journey. And then I sold that business early this year and I've completely in, immersed myself into working with personal trainers that work with mums. So I run a two-day accreditation and I teach them how to work with pre and postnatal women. And then off the back of that, I run a mentorship and bring together mum-focused fitness professionals that really want to change the landscape of the way that Mark are looked after across the fitness industry. So there's a lot of, you know, Everyone's building their own business. It's not a license or a franchise. It's what we call an affiliate. So I like to think that I'm helping to create lots of leaders um, within the fitness industry across Australia and New Zealand. Wow,
0: that sounds amazing. Where can people come find you? Uh,
2: You can find me pretty much under my name, so Jen Dugard, um, across all social media, and my website is bodybeyondbaby.com.au
0: bodybeyondbaby.com.au and that's the yeah. name of your business? Say again? That's the name
2: of your business? It is the name of the business and the Body Beyond Baby website is the go-to place for women to find mum-focused fitness professionals that are all qualified and experienced and accredited in, in working with
1: mums.
0: Okay, great. Excellent. Again, i will make sure there's links there for people interested in following what you do. Amazing, um, thank you. Yeah, such such a treat to talk with you, and thank you so much for sharing honestly out of your journey. I'm sure lots of people will find that useful and um, be encouraged to keep holding a space for themselves, and even when it's messy, and to to dive into that journey, start the conversation with themselves and others, because uh, it's it's worth it. It's, it's so Absolutely. worth it not just for themselves, but for their family, their friends, and for the world. Uh, uh, you know, in total. It is sure. Um, Jen, thanks so much for your time. We'll leave the conversation there.
2: Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. I hope you found the content and conversations useful. And remember, you are not just an actor in the story, you are the storyteller. You have the ability to turn this all around. For more information about overcoming insecurity, check out the insecurityproject.com.